Welcome, 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 everyone, to another edition of We Want to Talk About It Now. And I have a very special episode today for you, Julie, for being our only listener and subscriber over these last couple months. We're talking about your favorite movie and about your favorite animal, that being Jurassic Park and dinosaurs. Now, Julie, I know you're very excited and you're probably thinking, oh, I've heard all the different takes that there could possibly be on Jurassic Park, and you're incorrect. Today I have a very special guest who, the only reason that I brought him onto the show is because he has read the books as well as he has seen the movie. We had a little like pre-discussion uh, a couple weeks ago that made me think, man, we should just do this as a podcast because quite honestly, it's fascinating. We're mainly going to be looking at the realisticness of, if that's even a word, of the science within Jurassic Park. And so... That is something that, uh, how I describe it is there are some sort of true things within Jurassic Park science, and then there's completely false things. And I feel like sometimes those completely false things just make us think the entire thing is false or that everything within a given subject is true. So that's kind of why I want to talk about it today. Like, what are the things that are real? What are, what are not? And so today I have Foss read the books, which is awesome. Um, they're completely different. <laughs> Love those credentials. Read the books. Foss has done nothing else in his life except <laughs> I don't even know how how we met. I think it was just on a uh, it was on a Jurassic Park uh, Reddit board. You want to know something funny? And you didn't you don't know this about me. Um, okay, when I was a kid, I subscribed to Nintendo Power because you know I was cool and had a lot of friends, and so I subscribed to Nintendo Power, and they actually did a. Um, they did an article on the Jurassic Park video game for NES that was coming out, and it was riddled with inaccuracies. And me, as like a grade school kid, I read that, and I was, I was pissed. And so I actually wrote a letter into Nintendo Power demanding that they change it. And I, I didn't get the retraction that I was hoping, but they did send me back a letter saying thank you. So <laughs> I, Thanks for buying the game. Yeah. Well, the least we could do is spend postage exactly. to say we got your letter. Exactly. So I'd, Wait, the science in it was bad, or the... Yes. And, okay. Yes. And it was inaccurate compared to the Yeah, well like movies. little things. Like they referred to um Oh gosh, they referred to like John Hammond as being the kid's uh like paternal grandfather and I knew that he was he he was the maternal grandfather. You know? From the books or is it like how'd you know I, I wouldn't Both. have known that. Oh okay. It's in the And movie. um and like I remember they identified one of the brachiosaurs as a brontosaurus and that pissed me off cuz you got to understand I I've, I've loved dinosaurs since I was like a little little kid. And Jurassic Park was huge for me when it came out. And um, I, I put more work into that letter than I put in, like, you know, on a weekly basis, probably. To, here. to, any, so. to, any, to anything <laughs> in life. Well, don't, don't, don't say that you also like dinosaurs. Remember, your only credentials are oh, you yeah, read the, read the only credentials that you have is that you read Jurassic Park. Okay. Wait, are there multiple books? Yeah, there's two. There's two. Yeah. Very. And the second one is so I hear that bad. diverges Yeah, as well, well, here's the thing. The end of the first one... Uh, it leads into what I thought was kind of a neat uh, setup for a sequel, but um, when they when they decided they're going to make a movie, as far as I can understand it, they went to they went to Crichton and they were they basically said, you know, we're making a movie. It's going to be set on an island. It's going to be essentially Jurassic Park again, um, but we need you to write a book before it comes out. It, it anyway. So he created this second book that was uh, worth a read just to see what it looks like when a talented author isn't super interested in what they're writing about. but uh, I'm sure he got tons of money for that, too. Oh, I'm sure he did. Tons of money. Not not just from the movie. Just like, hey, just write this book. Yeah. And that's crazy. What's weird about that is it seems like something that people should do. Like, it's like, it's like, that's like the norm now. Like, you're just always looking for different ways to sort of make money. Like, you don't just write a three-book series. You're writing five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, just trilogy to... used to be, you know, uh, used to be a foregone conclusion. Something did well as a trilogy. Now it's like something does well. It's like, well, we can get 10 books out of this or, you know, we can make uh, infinite uh, movies. Yeah, yeah. But... Two, two, uh, the thing that's been making me extremely angry is, uh, let's make this one book into two movies. <laughs> why not go for the, why not go for the extra billion? Hobbit's a fun story. Let's turn it into no, a No, seriously. Like, that's probably the best example. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, we can make it into three movies and each one is going to make $1 billion. So sure. that's great. Congratulations to I the estate. I don't even care. Did you really like that movie? Uh, Side I, note. Did I love The Hobbit? No. no. Did I love that Hobbit movies were coming out every year for three years and I had something to watch around Christmas? Sure. Cool. <laughs> Good. So I want to jump in and just hit yeah, that, sorry, that big, the big one. Okay. 
Uh, why not? This is on everyone's mind. You open up to Jurassic Park, you got the amber, you got the mosquito and the amber, and then you got the extraction of the DNA. You got dino DNA. <laughs> Hello, John. Hello, John. How how realistic is is that? Well, one thing you gotta understand about Jurassic Park is it was written gosh, when was it written? Like it was written okay, I, I seem to recall it was written over throughout the late eighties and published early nineties. Well, every generation has sort of its cool new scary technology right like you watch shows from the 50s and everything's nuclear power and then just you know scary nuclear power right um nowadays a lot of stuff is like quantum mechanics or quantum energies right well in the early 90s genetics were kind of like the scary new power and everybody knew that they could do crazy stuff with genetics they just didn't fully understand what that really entailed so to answer your question um could you extract dinosaur DNA from a mosquito? The short answer is yes, you could. The longer, more accurate answer is not in any sort of useful way, right? Um, for example, uh, most mosquitoes, when they go out to feed, they don't feed on a single animal and then go home and sleep or go land on a branch and get covered in amber, right? Um, they feed on a variety of animals and all of that sort of soups up in the, in their gut, right? And so first off, just trying to extract specific DNA from one animal would be really difficult. Um, you've also got, you know, the, the, uh, the mosquito isn't like a plastic container filled with blood, right? Mosquito has its own digestive enzymes, things going on in there. So in extracting the DNA, you would also get samples of the mosquito's DNA, right? But the biggest issue is actually that DNA doesn't really keep. Um, DNA has a half-life. I, I remember reading years ago something that said DNA had a half-life of like 100,000 years, which meant like after 100,000 years, um, <clears throat> half of the, the proteins and, and the amino acids and everything, they, they would basically have broken down to you just have kind of this, this just... Soup. Yeah, again, soup. Just this nasty, just bleh of, of non-structured uh, proteins, right? Um, and actually, more recently, I was reading something that says DNA actually has a half-life of only like 500-some years, right? So after, now we're talking about millions and millions of years. I mean, the, the, the Cretaceous extinction event occurred about 65 million years ago, and that's really what we look at as being the end of the age of dinosaurs, right? That marked the end of the Mesozoic era. And um, trying to find usable DNA from 65 million years ago it's just super difficult. It's not impossible, right? Now, if you were to divide something by half over and over and over again, you would never get to zero. So there's always a chance you'll find something usable, um, but it's just so far outside the realm of probability that it's pretty much impossible. Yeah, so it's the dumb and dumb. Like, ultimately, it's, it is legitimately the dumb and dumber because it's, so you're saying there's a chance, yeah, so when in reality there's, there's not. Right. For the most part, it's, it's highly unlikely. Sure. So you could, but there's there's kind of a caveat to that. We'll, we'll discuss in just a little bit if we go in that direction. But um, really, you know, you, you, you find the mosquito trapped in amber. It dates to the late Cretaceous or, or Jurassic or Triassic or somewhere in the Mesozoic era. You extract the DNA. Um, yeah, you'd, you may be able to get something out of there, but it probably wouldn't be anything you could use. Yeah, it, so ultimately, like, you couldn't end up building a dinosaur or building an animal out of this. Cause Not likely. Because yeah. my, one, my one example, I guess, I have of that, and this is obviously a huge difference, because one, you're pulling from another animal to get the DNA of the mm -hmm. animal you want, but it's I've heard that it was potentially possible with mammoths, mm -hmm. mixing mammoth DNA that we could extract from the mammoth itself and then mixing it with uh, elephants, that that which is something yeah. we still haven't done so i don't know if that's and i think this goes back to like what you said like the early 90s late 80s that's like when everyone was thinking like man we could probably just do all this stuff yeah. if we wanted to and i feel like that at that time that was also what the mammoth thing was it was more just like a we could potentially do this sure. but in reality does it actually work well that's the thing with mammoth i mean there are certain things that make mammoth cloning way easier um for one time. thing mammoths yeah there's time there's you're much more likely to be able to get uh, usable DNA, and you have better DNA sources. Whereas, you know, with dinosaurs, let's say you find a mosquito and you think that's probably your best source of DNA. I mean, what else is left of the dinosaurs? Bones. And bones carry DNA, but it's very difficult to extract, especially since the bones we find from dinosaurs aren't actually bones anymore. They're just rocks in the shape of the bones because that's what fossilization is, right? 
But with mammoths, we've found mammoths in glacial deposits, things like that. Frozen mammoths, we have uh, th- we've we've recovered mammoth um, leathers and stuff. Well, mammoth we first. found like the giant. Isn't yeah. there like the like the giant yeah, there was the, mammoth? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You've actually, yeah. we've actually found frozen yeah. mammoths and stuff. Um, so we can get stuff out of their body that would potentially be usable DNA, right? And to be honest, like mammoths only went extinct. Uh, completely extinct worldwide like three thousand three thousand years ago right because they were still around on this island off the coast of russia or something so it would be more likely like let's say dinosaurs went extinct because you said a hundred thousand years was the half-life was what i said originally the more recent stuff says like 500 years so even that's real time but that's half-life so after 500 years you still would have half of the usable proteins so it probably i mean obviously the the closer in time with us the more likely but I still don't understand exactly how they would be able to construct or build well, that's a dinosaur the other thing. out of it. So let's say you're able to replicate the mammoth's DNA, right? And you actually somehow have a complete sequence. Um, there's still the issue of creating a viable embryo, right? Um, and that's difficult. What usually happens is you take a non-fertilized embryo from an animal that's very similar and you essentially perform gene therapy on it where you replace some of the genetic structure within the embryo. In this case, you could take possibly, and and I'm sorry if there's anybody listening who's like, oh, he's got this totally wrong. I may have this totally wrong. I'm sorry if I do. But as far as I understand it, um, you could take a non-fertilized embryo from an elephant, perform gene therapy, uh, replacing the some of the DNA inside the embryo with mammoth DNA, and then fertilizing the embryo, which right there is a problem because in that case, you in that uh, sense, you mammal. just introduced new genetic material from the non-mammoth species, right? Okay. You would make essentially a hybrid, right? And then you would implant gotcha. the embryo within an elephant surrogate mother, right? And they would hopefully be close enough that she would be able to nurture the embryo, bring it to term, and give birth, right? And they've actually tried this with some animals, but it's really difficult. Most that time in all, so it, it results in stillbirth. Sometimes it results in birth defects. Uh, and sometimes the embryo just doesn't take. It's just absorbed into the body. And it's potential we're not that great at it yet. We're no, just we're start. not great at it. And another issue, like a more easy, like an easier thing to be uh, to do would be to, um, to try to create a mammoth using existing um, traits within different species of elephant, which is really difficult because there's really only two species of elephant left, right? There's African and um and uh asian elephants right but you could do what we did with dogs and you could breed selectively for traits and eventually recreate a mammoth it is possible and it's even though it's super time consuming and super difficult it's probably easier than trying to clone one well then i mean obviously we have an elephant yeah that's something like who who would we use with dinosaurs then like how would you that's i mean i know that i know that like dinosaurs since they're reptilian Mm-hmm. egg so at least that's a little bit different in the sense that you don't actually have to put it into a surrogate mother or no whatever. but you would have to find an egg like another thing is you can't just take um an embryo and like drop it into an egg and be like and here have some yolk you're gonna grow like there are a lot of other factors at play and i don't i don't understand all of them i, I know that it's one of those things that in the book they kind of gloss it over in jurassic park the book they mention um there was a new kind of plastic developed that mimics the functionality of eggs and so they buy out this company the ingen corporation which is john hammond's company buys out that company and they they just use all these plastics to make eggs to raise the dinosaurs and in the um in the movie they talk about using uh, ostrich eggs and it shows them like with a needle like Banano, just yeah. like you know putting it in an ostrich egg just uh, injecting it uh wouldn't really work either it's just it's why an ostrich egg I don't know because they're big eggs. Oh, okay. I guess. That's weird. But I mean, that's another thing. You know, if you're, if you're cloning everything from like the tiny, smaller than a chicken size Procompsognathus all the way up to something as big as a Brachiosaurus or larger, right? Then you wouldn't have a one size fits all egg, anyways. Okay. Um. So there's that. Uh. But the problem is again, like you. So it's difficult to find something that could be a surrogate mother, even in this case, a surrogate egg for a cloned dinosaur and you also would not have an easy time trying to breed selectively for dinosaur traits because dinosaurs essentially an entire family of of animals right they're all gone um the closest thing we have nowadays are certain birds right 
Um, how did that work? Like I, I, on a quick aside, how, yeah. why 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 the why are the birds the closest? Well, uh, not reptiles. It's, that's just always well, baffled that's the thing. me. Rep, when when we first found dinosaur bones back in the day, dinosaur fossils, um, it was kind of like a quick and dirty. Uh, convention of, of naming them and identifying them and everything and, and as far as we could tell you know they, oh, they they had sharp teeth and they didn't look very mammalian they're probably reptilian right and there are definite similarities between dinosaurs and reptiles but dinosaurs aren't reptiles um, reptiles actually evolved along a completely different uh, path than dinosaurs reptiles were were um, coexistent with dinosaurs um, we have reptiles all the way back through early Cretaceous period right and we still have certain, did I say Cretaceous? I meant Triassic. We still have certain Triassic reptiles that really have not changed that much. Um, crocodiles are a good example. Tro crocodiles are essentially Triassic reptiles that somehow managed to just kind of coast through the last um, 200 million years, whatever. And Were they much out. bigger? There were larger ones, but I mean, not Not, all. not, not like scary. Like, well, there were know, some huge ones, but they all died out. Um but like, why, why, why birds, right? Well, the best uh, answer I could probably give was that the avian dinosaurs, the ones that were more bird-like, we're talking about pretty much we're talking about the theropods, right? Which were the bipedal carnivores, right? What, what, so, what are the like name some dinosaurs uh, that would fit everything that. from T. Rex all the way down through Procompsognathus? Uh, Velociraptors would have been uh, Combies? yeah, combies. Those combies. are Procompsognathus. Oh, okay. yeah. gotcha. Um, the Velociraptors are dromaeosaurids but they're also theropods theropods are basically any two-legged meeting dinosaur right matter of fact of dinosaurs i don't think there were another kind i don't think uh, I, I mean of carnivores i don't think there were any four-legged carnivorous kind dinosaurs of. anyways they were just better suited to survive so as far as we understand it you know uh the comet hit at the end of the Cretaceous period, right? But that wasn't the only thing going on at the end of the Cretaceous period. It was actually a period of rapid climate change um, and increased uh, uh, geological activity, right? Worldwide, right? And we're, we're not totally sure why, but there were a lot more volcanoes releasing a lot more chemicals into the atmosphere, right? And then, so dinosaurs were actually kind of struggling at the end of the Cretaceous anyways, right? And then the comet hits and you've got complete ecological upheaval, okay? Um, and I choose the word upheaval specifically because it actually heaved a lot of stuff into the atmosphere. You have nuclear winter, right, um, killing off a large portion of the base of the food chain, right? And so <clears throat> you have animals that require a lot of sustenance, you know, larger animals, and suddenly they can't get enough, right? And so they begin to die out, and then the, um, them, most of the carnivores, especially, particularly the larger ones who prey on the larger animals, then don't have anything to eat. But the smaller carnivores, right, Velociraptor, things like that, um, Deinonychus, uh, they, they would have been capable of living off of some of the animals that didn't go extinct, right? Some of the smaller mammals, things that could survive this climate change, right? And they themselves, over the space of millions of years, likely evolved to fill a niche, right? Essentially a predatory niche. Um, well, just in such a way that, that they were able to survive and, and, and grow and change. Um, something else they had going for them is that these dinosaurs had feathers, okay? That's something we've, we've figured out recently is that these dinosaurs had feathers. And any benefit to that? Any reason why they would need like a, a evolutionarily well, let's say let's say right, you have feathers. nuclear winter and world mean temperature drops okay. significantly. For feathers heat. right there okay. are are good insulators. Um, these dinosaurs were likely warm-blooded, but just because you're able to maintain an internal temperature doesn't mean you're not going to freeze to death, right? Um, feathers may have made the difference, right? And because they had these feathers, um, they they were set up nicely for the first dinosaurs who began to be able to use those feathers probably to glide and eventually to fly. Right, but feathers began as insulators in all likelihood. So basically, Jurassic Park three probably does the best job on what dinosaurs look like. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, just because I mean, because I know time you have the Velociraptors feathers. with the feathers. Yeah, but even then, you only like only one Velociraptor has feathers in Jurassic Park three. It's kind, of, it's like the alpha male Velociraptor. He's got this cool crest on his head. He looks awesome. Looks very like um, he's he's very thin and very just kind of um, sharp looking. I guess we'd say. Um, he had feathers and. Um, but you know, none of the other really, none of the other dinosaurs in any of the Jurassic parks uh, really went that way. And 
the reason being feathers if if we were to give the dinosaurs the feathers that they would have had probably in real life um they look stupid they just look dumb you know and what do it, they look like like well I wish I could, you know, show an image. Like, do they look like ostrich feathers? Do they look... Well, they the way they're usually depicted, I mean, you've got this kind of bare face, you know, kind of like a, kind of like an ostrich. Ostriches, ostriches have, like... A feather mane? But then, yeah, you almost have, like, this feather turtleneck going on. Okay, gotcha. And then, like, it comes down. And, okay. Like, and we don't have enough specimens to determine exactly it's, how they look, but we're able to... It's like 1600s for... royalty, yeah. the, like, the little neck thing. Yeah. And for those butt of us... Feathers. Butt feathers. They had butt feathers. <laughs> I know that's not what you meant, but yeah. <laughs> but um, you get, uh, you know, you get. We have a big twelve-year-old audience, so Sweet. so as many butt jokes well, as we I can do are going to going to go over very well. Um, but yeah, like you know, for those of us who grew up with these with these scaly-looking, you know, almost dragon-like dinosaurs, um, feathers just don't really work out for us. And they actually address that in Jurassic World. They say something along the lines of, um, you know, we didn't. We don't have dinosaurs here. What we have here are products meant to emulate dinosaurs, but you know, made for a consumer audience. And then another question with like the birds: how do we how do we know that they're related to each other? Oh well, um, that's actually kind of interesting. Because remember how I said I said you know you we we mentioned you know uh, you know so you're you're saying there's a chance right there's a chance we can get some some viable genetic material. Well, we may have okay not from not from mosquito trapped in amber, but actually from a Tyrannosaurus rex bone. Uh, a few years back, um, they were actually able to pull some usable collagen, they believe, from a T-Rex bone. And they were able to actually not sequence you know, the DNA and not figure out the genetic code to the dinosaur, but were ac- actually able to get an idea of what its protein sequences may have kind of looked like, right? And comparing it across all sorts of different living animals, the ones that it actually matched most closely with was a chicken, right? So chickens may actually be the closest animal we have living today to a T-Rex. But would the hard part with that be still, how are you going to get the chicken to lay the T-Rex? <laughs> yeah. Another, well, another hard Speaking part of is... butt jokes. <laughs> another hard part is... Where, where do they come out of the chicken? It comes out the butt, right? That's always been. I, I don't understand how that. I, I super uncomfortable. Well, no, because like we, I had, I had chickens. I had chickens growing up as a kid, and I always thought that was like the most disgusting thing. Um, I'm that just gonna we go ahead go and in. say, you know, chicken vagina, probably. Oh wow, there's sorry. So much, oh wow, wouldn't they have to be? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. You're either. the dinosaur expert, I'm which automatically a makes ch- you a chicken expert. <laughs> but the other thing is just looking. I mean, like looking at the, uh, at, at just some of the 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 chicken. But the fossils, like the fossils of the I mean, I, I do get it. Like, dinosaurs. you know, like they do. I, I see that. I see Because, you know, they got the little sure. wings. Well, I mean, I mean also, have you, ever seen, have you ever seen uh, chicken's talons? Or, or let, let's, yeah. let's take away, you know. I just told like you. Like ostrich I, talons. I, 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 we, had, we had chickens growing sure. up. Sure. You know, there, there are a lot of similarities between what we understand about dinosaurs and what we know about birds. Right? Um, Packs, man. That's another thing. I don't know if I don't I don't know if like that's another thing though yeah. too. Like chickens are always just like are they pack little, like pack, pack like when at any time that I would enter they'd always get together. <laughs> they'd always get together cuz they were side. scared of me and I was I two chickens you didn't I'll be honest. Chickens scared the, like as stupid as it sounds like yeah. I hated feeding the chickens cuz it was a small enclosure and I always felt like they would never attack me or anything mm-hmm. like that but whenever they came together I'm just like I feel like you guys are <laughs> you guys are against me right now, and I don't like it. Well, I've been goose attacked before, and I can tell you it feels like feels more like being attacked by dinosaurs than being attacked by a dog. Wait, that would be a different. That would be a different animal, though. Like, because uh, uh, geese and ducks have like the the webbed feet. So, sure. would that... but they would have all had a common ancestor. Yeah. Right. Um, and that ancestor, the first, the first avian dinosaurs, the first proto birds, I guess you could call them, um, began to actually appear. Before the extinction event, um, we've got things like, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, it's either Aeropteryx or Archaeopteryx, but that was the first dinosaur found with feathers, right? And it created a huge stir. We found this cool fossilized imprint of one with its head all thrown back in agony, and it's got these these feathers just radiating out, right? Um, Archaeopteryx. Yeah, something like that. I don't know how to say it. It means like ancient yeah. claw or something. What does it mean? Do you have it on there? First bird. Uh, nope, I don't have it. Oh, well, so. whatever the case. Yeah. Um, what are they saying about that? Just that, uh, you know, the evolutionary move towards 
birds began even before the extinction event. The problem is that it may not have taken any real root because there wouldn't have been any place for like flying animals. I mean, we already had flying animals at the time. We had flying reptiles, you know. We had things like Pteranodon and Dimetrodon and stuff like that. What kind of animals are those? Uh, those are the big flying ones. They're oh, the like pterodactyl, like yeah, the, the yeah. normal name. Yeah. Well, that People call them flying dinosaurs. They're just flying reptiles, what they were. They weren't actually dinosaurs. Interesting. So, well, same with like marine um, marine reptiles. They weren't They weren't dinosaurs. actually dinosaurs either? Because mm-hmm. I was always confused why we didn't have, you know, even with the comet hitting or mm-hmm. whatever, I was always confused why the dinosaurs in the ocean yeah. went away. Or not, I guess they weren't dinosaurs. The yeah. reptiles in the ocean went away. They? Well, the thing is, there were a lot of large... There were a lot of large reptiles in the ocean. Um, some of them were ones that we, you know, naturally identify as being like dinosaurs. You know, you got uh, like the mosasaur, right? The one at the end of Jurassic World that eats the uh, Indominus Rex. You know, um, cool part. But yes. you've got um, what you had were you also had things like uh, giant sea sea uh, turtles, right? Things like that that didn't necessarily go extinct. It's just that the evolutionary advantage of being a gigantic predator in the ocean sort of um sort of went away right um again large animals require a lot more in the way of food and everything right and so when you had this massive climate change first gradually through the cretaceous and then very sudden with the impact of the comet then you had changes that were going on throughout the entire world temperature changes in the ocean um there were also issues when temperature changes drastically in the ocean. You have issues where the seabed does not have enough oxygen to support various forms of life, right? And again, you just get a disruption in the food chain, and then certain animals go away. But like the easy answer is why did they ex- why did they go extinct? Because they were no longer well suited for the world. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Like yeah. that's how natural selection works. Sure. Uh, I know you're not a marine biologist, but like that, it's just always confused me as to why blue whales. I, I, I like how did blue did they just evolve eventually to this point where like they're the and they're starting to go away as sure. well. So I don't know if they're um, I don't know a lot about blue whales. I'm not. I'm sorry for putting you on the spot. That's okay. Like, I'll, let's talk about blue whales. I love well, blue no, whales. I just don't know how um, how old they are. Like how long they've been around. If they've been like around since the I dawn of time. I don't no, know. They, well, they've been around. The blue whales are interesting because they were land mammals that moved back into the water. Oh, they right. didn't evolve in the water. Like I mean. You know, all of our ancestors, evolutionary spe- evolutionarily speaking, came from the water. But blue whales were uh, land. Uh, all of the, all of the aquatic mammals actually, were land animals that decided to move back into the water to fill a specific evolutionary niche, right? And you can actually see, like, if you look at the, uh, if you if you look at the ex- um, at the skeletal structure of things like blue whales or porpoises and such, they actually have finger bones in their fins. Whereas fish don't have that kind of thing in their fins. Their fins have always essentially been fins. But these are hands and feet that have been repurposed as fins through, through the course of evolution. Okay? Um, but again, the blue whale fills a very similar ecological niche as some of these giant marine reptiles. right? And should we experience drastic climate change or even gradual climate change, um, then we would likely begin to lose some of these animals, these very large animals that require a lot of resources in order to survive. Yeah, and, w- and along with resources, I think uh, the one thing that you mentioned is like um, it just didn't make sense for some of these di- land dinosaurs to survive because there wasn't enough for them to hunt. How, how do we know like the habits of dinosaurs? Like where is it just based on like – it's literally just based on evolutionary evidence that we have. Like, it's what the bones... Well, the bones don't tell us much. Yeah, exactly. We've got, like, a lot of very smart people looking at them and inferring a lot, but we don't know. Like, easy to, easy to answer is just we don't know. Um, we can look at how modern animals behave. One of, the, uh, one of, like, the axioms on which pretty much all of science is built is that natural processes occur now in the same way that they've always occurred, right? We can't prove that, but it's a fair assumption to make, right? So if we look at the continents and we say, oh, they're, they're moving at a tiny rate every year, then we could say they've probably always been doing that. We can trace it backwards and say, okay, at one point they were Pangaea, and at a point even further back in history they were, what was it, like Rodania or something like that. And so we just, that's an axiom. It's something we accept even though we can't prove, okay? Well, we look at modern animals and their habits, 
and we ask ourselves what sort of evolutionary niche do they fill, and then we say, well, assuming that dinosaurs filled a similar niche, they probably had similar habits. Because uh, there's a couple. Yeah. There's probably more than a couple, but there's ones that we all remember from the sure. movies. Yeah. Um, one of them being, this is how velociraptors hunt. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that's just total BS. Yeah, pretty much. Or, or not necessarily BS, but like, Maybe it is BS. Like, I haven't heard that, like, from scientists. I just, the only place I've ever seen that is Jurassic World and Jurassic Park. Sure. Those two movies in, in I guess you see it in Jurassic Park Velociraptors are an interesting uh, example, though. We, Velociraptors are some of the few dinosaurs we actually have direct evidence that they did hunt and kill other animals. We have actually found in Mongolia, they found fossilized remains of a protoceratops. That's a smaller triceratops and didn't have any horns, right? Locked in combat with a velociraptor essentially a velociraptor was attacking this thing wrestling around with it and they got covered with like a landslide uh mudslide thing in the monsoon in the middle yeah and they just they both suffocated and were preserved right and we actually have that fossil of these two animals killing each other right so we can say velociraptor at least yeah hunts. we know the velociraptor was a predator that hunted living we, creatures and we can oh because and how do we know that the triceratops because uh, triceratops, protoceratops uh protoceratops yeah it's all right uh, they were not meat eaters. No. And we so can, that's how we know that it was being hunted. We can infer that by how what kind of teeth they had. Like meat eaters are going to have very different teeth than, than uh, uh, herbivores. <clears throat> and again, that's just an assumption. I mean, is it possible that protoceratops ate meat? I guess we eat meat and we have blunted teeth, but it's unlikely. We're kind of an exception because that was kind of a choice. <clears throat> Another one is the T-Rex blind well, that's the thing. T-Rex, T-Rex isn't supposed to be blind in the stories, but Michael Crichton came up with kind of a fun little convention where he's like, oh, it can't see if you don't move, right? Now, in the movie, um, you have Alan Grant kind of out of nowhere saying, it can't see you if you don't move, so don't move. It's like, well, paleontologists would never be able to figure that out. Like, th there's no evidence that that would ever be the case. Matter of fact, there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. T-Rex, you know, usually you imagine the T-Rex and you see its face from the side. You know, it's got that sweet, huge. huge mouth and everything. But if you look at a T-Rex from the front, it has something very interesting, which is binocular vision, right? Its two eyes face forward. Now, that is an indicator of an animal that hunts with sight. You don't have binocular vision on most animals that don't hunt with sight. Most animals have uh, eyes on either, on either side of their head. Even things like... Um, most uh, most predatory birds oh, have. What what are our eyes? Are they binocular? Yeah. Okay. okay. Essentially, if you look at the front of the face and you can see. So look, both I'm of pretty them. sure we have binocular yeah. vision because we're. It's if you look in the front of the face and you see both eyes looking back at you, that's an indication of predatory behavior. Gotcha. Not always, but usually. Okay. Because you need to be able to track like. Uh, so that one has to be completely bunk. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Like like in the book, he says like Alan Grant doesn't just come to this conclusion. Uh, easily, he's, it's not like a foregone conclusion. Not like, oh, I already know this about T Rexes. He in notices the book, that he freezes in the book because he's freaking terrified, and the T Rex can't find him. And in the back of his mind, he remembers reading about some species of animal that can that are more uh, more evolved to see movement rather than something stationary. They, their eyes, and and he says, oh, maybe this is the same with the T Rex. And then he gets knocked out mid thought because the T Rex gets pissed and kicks the car he's standing next to and it hits him and he flies away. Um, but it's funny because in the second book, you have a character um, who's trapped in a T-Rex nest about to get killed, and the, and the character s remembers something, and he says, oh, the T-Rex can't see if I don't move, and so he freezes, and the T-Rex sitting there looking at him, and then the T-Rex eats him, and it turns out it's wrong, <laughs> right? And so it's just, <laughs> it's just a weird thing. But um, So even the books are inconsistent with one another. Yeah, they're inconsistent. Like something that Crichton did that was, was kind of cool is he didn't tie up all the loose ends. In the books. Um, in the movie, well, yeah, I, I don't want to get too, too far into that. But just, um, you know, he would leave things. The whole point is that people are getting into things they don't understand, and, it, and it's dangerous, right? And so Is he the point of the books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, life finds a way, learned. right? Yeah. You know, that we don't understand this. We can't, you can't control chaos. That's why Ian Malcolm's there in the books, because he's constantly reminding everybody, oh, it's chaos and you can't control it. There's no way you can. Um and so to leave a lot of things like this where you have somebody say, oh, maybe it's because of this, maybe because of this, and then have it kind of get contradict itself, it just sort of plays towards the overall themes of the books that, yeah, it's not something you can totally figure out. That's another thing that I want to talk about is life finds, life finds, life, life finds a, way. a way. Life finds a way. Uh, Which should have been the tagline. Adventure 65 million years in the making is a stupid tagline. It is very stupid. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't do that. I think or, they did for the next even, one. Or even the – what. 
when dinosaurs ruled the world, dino- or even or even something a like cool a, like just something shorter than that. That yeah. is that's such a cool shot. Yeah. Um, so I feel stupid having put this in as a question um, because they point out the examples like in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but life finds a way. Are there examples of other other than those tree frogs? Yeah, of, like, there are. Of, like uh, lots of animals who have this uh, ability to just change sex. There are. You're not going to be super impressed with them. Coral can do it. But okay. like, so like yeah, not, it's not, not like it's not like sexy though. Yeah, um, literally frogs, not. Fish, a lot of fish, clownfish. You know, Finding Nemo. Uh, you, interesting thing about clownfish is every clownfish starts life. Agenda. Yeah, <laughs> every clownfish starts life as a male. Oh, and then the they they have these weird little grouping systems, and then like the most prominent male will become female. It's like yeah, you win. You get to become female. And it's so like they change sex in an all in an all uh, sex environment, all all single gender. And it's fast. Yeah. Like with them in that specific it's, example, yeah. it's within a lifetime. Yeah, like, it's a lifetime. like because how I imagined it was, it was via evolution. Like oh, we just need, but obviously you would die well, out before. Yeah, you it would have to be within yeah. a lifetime. It'd have to be within a lifetime. But uh, and I think there are some snakes that are able to do it too, which is actually the most impressive because if you look at like complexity of organisms. Um, you know, you've got things like fish are relatively uncomplex compared to some other ones. Uh, if you're just looking at, at stages of evolution, fish evolved way before mammals did. It kind of goes fish, amphibians, reptiles, mammals, birds, things like that. Um, so the fact that some snakes can do this is actually pretty impressive and kind of leads credence to the theory. Um, and in the... In the movie, they, they kind of hand wave it by saying, oh, well, we use frog DNA to fill in the gaps, and this is where it got this power is because some frogs can spontaneously change sex. In the book, they make it sound more like um, this is just an ability that dinosaurs may have had, some dinosaurs may have had, that we were unaware of, and it kind of plays up, plays into the whole theme of, you know, you don't know what you're getting into, right? You breed these animals, and you just pop them out, and you say, okay, behave like this pre- determined concept that I have in my mind and then they don't right and so trying to use uh, previously established methods to maintain the populations of the park right end up not working because you're dealing with too many unknown factors and are there like hundreds and hundreds of dinosaurs in the book like in the movie it seems like it's a very small amount of dinosaurs like you have one t-rex and like three velociraptors if that I'm trying to write the book actually gives the exact numbers of what they're supposed to have and then there's this really cool scene when they they change the parameters of because the, they've got these system for counting all the dinosaurs in the park, and it's supposed to set off an alarm if the numbers drop beyond what it's expecting, right? Because they don't want to lose any animals, and it's been even forever, right? And then they change the parameters, start asking it to look for more dinosaurs rather than fewer, and it keeps finding more and more and more because they've been breeding, right? Um, so the the book will tell you exactly how many they have of each species. Um, I don't remember specifically, but yeah, there were more in the book. There's, uh, there's an adult T-Rex and a juvenile T-Rex. The juvenile T-Rex actually kills Ed Regis, the publicist, who's not in the book, but he was kind of like the Donald Gennaro character. In the movie. Character. I'm sorry, not, not in the, the movie. movie. Yeah, but he's kind of like, like the Donald Gennaro character. <laughs> and he's a, he's, a, he's a douche. And they kill him. And um, yeah, there's, uh, there's a whole nest of raptors, right? There's a bunch of raptors in the enclosure, but there's also a nest of them that they didn't know about, including juvenile raptors and stuff. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch. There's just a whole bunch. Uh, the movie, you know, you got to understand, this is 1993. The cost of putting a dinosaur on film was just probably yeah. just yeah. astronomical, so keeping it short. Do you think that if we could potentially create dinosaurs, if we would even be able to coexist with them as humans? I think we would. Yeah. Right. I mean, here's the problem. Just go put them like, all right, you have your you have your territory. We have our territory. Sure. Well, here's here's a few things. First off, dinosaurs living in our world now probably wouldn't do very well. Um, the oxygen levels are way lower than what a dinosaur would have been used to. Um, and just other issues, uh, different amounts of solar radiation coming in. Um, dinosaurs, for all we know, dinosaurs could just all die out from skin cancer. We don't we don't know. Um, but assuming that they could survive and thrive. Um, we would definitely be able to coexist them. There's a good chance that unchecked, their populations could decimate other fauna and flora, right? Mostly fauna. Like uh, you've got examples uh, in Australia, uh, species being introduced to an area, to an 
to an ecological system that can't handle them, right? Uh, what was that? Those toads that completely destroyed some of the. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever heard no. of those? Well, maybe, but Australia is a very um, isolated area, right? With a very unique uh, ecosystem, right? And you have people who move in and they bring animals with them and then let these animals go, right? Or the animals escape and they end up just killing off a bunch of either outperforming them when it comes to searching for food or what have you, but killing off a lot of the indigenous species. Uh, Cats are a really good example. Everywhere people go, we bring cats. And cats just cats are actually responsible for more extinctions than any other animal other than humans. humans. <laughs> like, I, was like, I was like, whoa, easy. But there. like anytime cats get brought into a new area, they decimate bird and rodent populations. One of the things we love about cats is they kill rodents, right? We need them, right? But so you would have things like that happening, dinosaurs competing with other animals for resources and maybe outperforming, but you'd also have instances where different dinosaur populations probably wouldn't be able to outperform existing uh, indigenous species and they would die out. But as far as it just goes, as far as like coexisting with humans is absolutely we would. Humans, for all of our inadequacies um, compared to other animals, we can't run as fast as a cheetah. You know, we can't bite as hard as a hyena. One thing that we can do better than pretty much any animal is adapt, right? And there's really no danger to humanity on this world from any other macroscopic species, right? Maybe there's a bacteria, you know, maybe yeah, okay, maybe gotcha. there'll be a plague that wipe us out. But anything insect or larger, we can handle. And we, you know, dinosaurs would be no different. There may be a small period of adjustment, but it's one of those things like, you know, dinosaurs escape from Jurassic Park and they breed unchecked throughout the world, it wouldn't affect humanity that much. So we wouldn't be scared? No. We would probably harvest them. We would probably, you know, develop a taste for hadrosaur meat and have, you know, have duckbill dinosaur farms and raise them and, and eat them, you know, because large animals that eat, you know, plants are pretty easy to, to raise for agricultural purposes, you know. And as for some of the some of the larger predators, we would probably drive them to extinction again you know we like because we've done, we're killing them actively killing them or because we are we're taking what they need we would probably actively kill them right unless there was a lot to try and prevent us from it i mean uh wolf populations worldwide you know they they get they get hacked down anytime they start to they start to come back because wolves prey on agricultural livestock and things like that and so they're a danger to us so we 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 remove them where would some of the best places for these dinosaurs to be living because i know we're here in utah like that's where tons of stuff is it's just like dry well i mean that all depends i I seem to recall pro i mean a lot of dinosaurs lived uh along the coasts of like uh inland seas and inland seas aren't really a thing anymore we kind of have them, but not really. Um, so that would be difficult. You had dinosaurs were interesting. Is that like wait inland seas? In is inland that like is that like the Mediterranean? Kinda. But smaller or like you know, you know what I mean? Well, like I'm thinking of a bay when I hear when I hear you say no, inland seas. No, like a completely landlocked sea. Like Mount Montana in that area used to be completely underwater, right? Okay, and I see. I get what you're saying. So we saying. we kind of have that, but not really. I'm um, in the form of like Great Lakes and stuff. Um, but you had dinosaurs who were evolved to survive in deserts. Um, there were Antarctic dinosaurs, and Antarctica wasn't nearly as cold then as it is now, but it was still a different... I'm also forgetting that um, even though th- we found a lot of dinosaurs in Utah, the ecosystem could have been completely yeah, different at the time that been. they were alive. So it might not have been like this dry desert sure. that we have now. And you also, I mean, dinosaurs lived on Earth for 180 million years from the beginning of the Triassic through the end of the Cretaceous, and that's a lot. That's... That's a lot of changes to the climate. Um, and so it all depends on which dinosaur and what they're used to. I mean, if you're thinking of, like, you know, the standard, like, late Cretaceous dinosaur, like, where would T-Rex want to live, right? Um, it's it's just really hard to say. I guess it would probably – you'd want some place that has a, a large enough animal population to be able to support something like that. That's why, like, a lot of the large predators, like lions, right, they live on, like, the savanna, right, because they're herds of grazing animals that they can they can eat. Um, but as for other considerations, we just don't really know. It's just difficult to say. And this is my, this is my last question. Oh, okay. And I think there's going to be a lot, um, that we could potentially unpack with it. Yeah. Do you think that after humans, dinosaurs were the greatest predators in the history of, uh, of all speciesdom? I don't know. That's difficult. I mean, how do, the question is, how do you, 
Well, by what metric that. do you yeah. judge that, right? I mean, humans well, – Because well, here's, here's how I imagine yeah. it. Like I, whenever I'm talking sports with people, it's very hard to compare sports teams from different eras. Yeah. But you try your best to do it, and that's sort of how – like thinking of Lions, like – I feel like T-Rex could probably wreck shop against lions sort of thing. Um, I'm trying to think of like all the potential um, matchups that you have going on there. What's crazy is for some reason we have this idea, I personally am guilty of it, where I think that all dinosaurs were predators when in reality a very small percentage of them were. Yeah. Like it's basically like what you're talking about. You got your velociraptors, you got your uh, yeah. you got your two-legged, your two-legged predators. Yeah, basically. everything from Dilophosaurus, you know, the one that spits in the movie. Um, old spitty you know that was a that was an early jurassic predator procompsognathus was an even earlier predator the compies were triassic predators all the way through you know t-rex was one of the last uh the the you know it was and cretaceous i mean there were a lot of predators at the time but it's yeah i would just love to see a battle royale of all the animals ever because i, I would love to see not even necessarily t-rex but just like a lion and a velociraptor go at yeah. it um, well, if you're talking one-on-one, I mean, dinosaurs are going to have a lot of animals beat out just on sheer size. Because even, like, smaller dinosaurs, you know, like, Protoceratops is, like, a small dinosaur, right? Um, it would have been uh, about the size of a fairly large dog, right? Full-grown. And then, you know, Triceratops, you think of it, oh, that's big, but it's not as big as the Apatosaurus, which used to be called Brontosaurus, right? Um, and Triceratops is, like, the size of an elephant. So it's 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 one of those things where... They would have had size over it, but that doesn't necessarily translate into um, better fighting instinct. I don't know. That's the word. I mean, and I'm thinking of this as a one-on-one thing. I don't know how often T-Rex were fighting in or like hunting in packs or whatnot because that could be something super beneficial to like prides of lions. We're like, okay, cool. We got six of us, six on one. So sure. maybe that would be it. But how thing. I'm imagining it is a one on one match. But I imagine how things are now. We're like wolf packs as well. Sure. I, I definitely think a T Rex would destroy a lone wolf, but I'm not 100% sure. Like if yeah. they're hunting their pack, if the T Rex could handle it. And I'm also thinking, like, I have this thing with, with dinosaurs as well that they have this impenetrable armor yeah. <laughs> as well. Um, I don't know what it was actually like. I don't know if anybody knows what it was actually like, but I bet you that's a much more tender piece of skin than I'm giving it credit for. Yeah, it probably. Like, was. I'm imagining it's a dragon. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking of a <laughs> I'm thinking of a mythological medieval dragon. It was probably about as armored as as most uh, reptiles that you would, even though they weren't reptiles. It's probably about that. Like we found imprints of dinosaur skin. As far as like best predator, wild dogs, I would say, are really, really difficult. To outperform as far as predation goes, wild uh, dogs is that wolves or actual no, wild these dogs? Are, these are wild dogs. Like you've got them in in Australia, right, or Africa too. Oh, the uh, ding, like dingoes? Is that well? No, no. no. these are these are like they're basically legit dogs. they're domestic dogs, domesticated dogs that have gone feral and bred Dark outside side of dogs. yeah, Dark side outside dogs. of the confines of domestication for generation after generation. So they're they're. They, they're very intelligent. They're pack hunters, right? And they're essentially fearless. Like, like they're, they're pretty tough, right? So you compare a decent-sized pack of wild dogs against, against uh, a T-Rex. If they were forced to fight, T-Rex would probably still win, but I feel like they would be smart enough not to well, go after It depends on sheer numbers, though, as yeah, well. Yeah. Like if, if you're talking about a pack of... 10 or more sure. sort of things potentially. I don't know. Well, also you have to consider like large predators we have nowadays. Um, they're not what you would consider like all day, all night predators, right? Like a lion will chase down a gazelle and kill the gazelle. And then it's going to sleep for a long time because it used up a lot of energy. Now multiply that by the energy it takes to move a T-Rex. T-Rex may not have had the endurance that we kind of attribute to it. So you may have had something that... I mean, it could run 55 miles an hour. <laughs> 30 miles I, an hour. I think we all know that. Yeah, T-Rex. I think we all know that. We've clocked the T-Rex at 30 miles an hour, whatever he says. <laughs> but you would probably have something that you know comes out of the gate swinging and then gets pretty tired. So uh, T-Rex's main... Like, if you look at a T-Rex, it has these huge, crazy jaws, right? And mm-hmm. these little, tiny, wimpy forearms. It's all mouth, man. Yeah, it's all mouth. And it's designed to be able to end a fight quickly. Like... Just snap down and just kill Break something and then is. eat at its leisure, right? Uh, if, you, if you had it up against a whole pack of animals, I mean, the end of Jurassic Park, it takes out two raptors, but 
there's a good chance that against a large pack of animals, it would probably retreat rather than bother. Well, and it took out whatever that dinosaur is in Jurassic World uh, with the help of some raptors. And oh, actually, technically, it didn't take it out yeah, because it was the uh, uh, old 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 seaward. Yeah, I don't mosasaur. Know seaward. Oh, you said it like three times. Se- mosasaur. Uh, so the, so old seaward, <laughs> and when I say seaward, I'm spelling it S E A seaward. Just want to make sure that's clear. Um, okay, that's cool. I, I think I could do. I could do an entire podcast just talking about potential matchups of animals fighting yeah, against each who other. Would win. Who would win? And um, I don't want that to to, to be yeah. what this turns into right now. But this is all super. Uh, I learned a lot today. It's, um, it's, it's even, interesting even, stuff. Even we still even talk more than like our initial yeah. musings that we had originally. I've learned a lot. Yeah, but I will that. say this just in answer to your question before we sign off. Um, if you were to match up dinosaurs against people, just species versus species for control of the world, people would win every time. Because we got the guns. We got we got, we got the guns. guns. We got the we got A-bomb. guns and shit. We got we got all sorts of stuff. We we're we, killing ourselves, dude. We're we, extincting ourselves. We extinct animals without even meaning to. You know, if we put our minds to it, they wouldn't last a chance. <laughs> Could you imagine if we actually thought about, yeah. like, we plotted out Dude, how we were going to extinct animals? We extinct animals when we're trying to save them. Like, we're like, oh, well, we'll reintroduce this animal to this area. And then and it's like, they're, yeah, they're unable to survive there because their population just booms. And then they all die off because there's no resources to spread them. Oh, the, them. oh the hubris of yeah. humans. Yeah, so, so awesome. dinosaurs suck. Well, thanks, everyone, for uh, visiting today. And the next time that we have something that we want to talk about, we hope that you give it a listen. Feel free to like, comment, and continue the conversation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you are feeling especially generous, leave us a review on iTunes. We prefer five stars, but value the truth more. We plan on keeping this free to listeners forever, because we love you. Thanks for listening, and let's keep being better. Where do they come out of the chicken? It comes out the butt, right?